I don't get that many chances in chapel to speak, and so what do you say? What's most important? Um, as a president of the school, what is God laying on my heart to share with you guys? And you know that the last time we were together, uh, I shared about what I called the superlative virtue, which was? Yeah, love. I saw lots of mouths saying it. And we surveyed a number of scriptures that called out love to be supreme. It's in Colossians, the virtue that binds all the other ones together in perfect unity. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's the most excellent way. And the, the one that lasts longer than the others, the greatest of these, he says, is love. And we have multiple scriptures like that. Um, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the first and greatest commandment, second like it. So again and again, Scripture affirms this idea of love as the superlative virtue. Good, better, best, best. Medium, high, highest, however you want to say that, it's superlative. Today I want to look at another Scripture with you that starts to press that virtue into real life more and more. And as we move that direction, I want to tell you a story about a car. It has unaffectionately become known in my family as the green car. When we were living out in Manhattan in some of my earlier years at Montana Bible College and I was driving into Bozeman every day, uh, we decided that it might be a good idea if we got a car that got better gas mileage. My father-in-law at the time had a uh, Volkswagen Jetta, one of the diesel ones, which, man, those get great mileage and um, back then, diesel was cheaper, too, by the way. And um, <clears throat> so I began looking at those, but of course, I couldn't afford anything new. So I was looking at older ones, and I found one that was for sale. It was uh, a mechanic that had it, that had um, dumped a bunch of work into it to get it ready to go. And so this old green Volkswagen Jetta had been repainted. It looked really nice on the outside. Green paint was good. Um, lots of work that had been done on this car, all these things. And because it came from a mechanic, I um, trusted. First mistake, I guess. We bought that car. And we stretched our budget, which it wasn't a whole ton of money, but a few thousand dollars. We stretched our budget to buy that car because it was going to save us a lot of money in fuel and should last for a long time and all this work had been done to it. Well, if you ever have heard of buying a lemon, this was it. It was a green lemon. It was... Yeah, it was a lime. It was awful. Not long after owning the car, we discovered that there were a whole host of issues that hadn't been taken care of, and some of them were fairly expensive. I went in to get new tires because the tires that had looked pretty good actually had dry rot going and, and just about fell apart quickly. Then 
the shop wanted to align the car, which I said was a good idea, but then they found that there was actually parts bent that they couldn't align the car, and so we had to put the new parts in to get the car aligned so that we could have tires. Well, the brakes needed work, and, and on and on that went, and we ended up dumping hundreds and hundreds more dollars into this car thinking, oh, we can't really afford this, but it'll be good once, once that is done. We got all that work done, and I'd been driving the car back and forth to work to Bozeman every day for a couple of months, and one day I was driving home. I was on I-90 heading out towards Manhattan, just cruising along, and all of a sudden, wham, something just smashed. I mean, you would have thought you hit a deer, the, the violent crunch feel. Well, what that was, was that was the timing belt breaking and the piston slamming into the rods and the engine was gone. It wasn't a Ford, but it was found on road dead. <laughs> By the way, I like Fords, but that's a great, great line. You got to use them sometimes. Um, That car had a lot of good things going for it. It had a nice paint job. Interior was in okay shape. It had new brakes, new tires. The alignment was in good shape. Transmission was fine. Clutch was fine. But without an engine, we ain't going nowhere. I want you to turn in your Bibles right now to 1 Corinthians 13. You know this passage probably quite well. The love text, as some call it. I've got it memorized in the NIV, and I'll start out of there. Paul says, now I will show you the most excellent way. The most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just making noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing like a car without an engine. You got some great things going for you, some wonderful spiritual gifts, some amazing abilities, but if you don't have love, found on road dead, you aren't going anywhere. If you don't have love, all of that other stuff amounts to a hill of beans. Big deal. The meaning of that text is pretty straightforward. It really doesn't need a lot of complicated exegetical work. It means what it says. You've heard the proverb that says that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Doesn't that actually flow out of 1 Corinthians 13? 
I think there's, it's a truth rooted back in that text. So we have these opening verses about the importance of love. But remember the context. What is 1 Corinthians 12 all about? Well, the whole thing is about these spiritual gifts, and it gives us that wonderful analogy of the body. But if you backed up to, say, verse 28 and following into chapter 13, look at what it says there. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, rhetorical questions here. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. There's our context coming into this. All these spiritual gifts. Let me ask you a few questions. There are lots of things that can wow people or impress them in the church context that you're in, what are those things? The things that can wow people, the things that can impress them. Maybe let's ask it this way. What are the things that would make you look good in the eyes of others as a Christian? Maybe make it a little bit more personal. What are your markers for your own life that would determine whether or not you are spiritually vital, full of spiritual vitality. What are you looking for in your life? There's lots of good things that could be out there. That list that just came, all these things, uh, administrative healing, tongues, interpretation, all these things. And no matter your take on spiritual gifts, which I'm not going into at the moment, the point being all of those things to the Corinthian church were markers of spiritual vitality, were things that looked good, things that wowed, things that you wanted, things that you wanted others to see that you have. And Paul doesn't knock any of those things as bad or evil. He upholds them. He eagerly desires these. They're good things. But now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. If I've got all that stuff, but I don't have love, I'm bankrupt. It's a both end. It's not to say you should get rid of all those other things. They're good things. Wonderful gifts that God has given to build up the body for the glory of Christ. Use them, but not without love. It has to be done with love firmly in place there. How do you measure your own spiritual vitality? How does your church context measure spiritual vitality? What are the signs and symptoms that people are looking for? I want to place love at the smack dab middle of your radar screen. Because that's what I think the Apostle Paul is doing. Live a life of love. Let that permeate all that you do so that all of your serving, all of the expression of whatever gift God has given you is all done, yes, to the glory of Christ in a manner that is full of love. 
makes it move. I want to um, tell you another story. Um, let me ask the question to lead into it. How do you know if a vehicle is a good purchase? I told you about the, the green car. Now let me tell you about the truck with leprosy. <laughs> I was at Manhattan Bible Church full-time engaged in pastoral work, and we were doing all this work with youth. And um, through my college years, I'd had this little Ford Ranger pickup truck. But you can imagine trying to put very many people in that little truck was not happening. And so I decided it would be good if I got a bigger truck that could carry more people. And so I began looking around and I found this truck advertised that was a full-sized uh, extended cab Chevy pickup, 1990. Man, we are talking new and I know, it's Siemens old. Well, I wanted to do my due diligence. I'd been in all the auto classes and all those things and worked on that. So I called up a mechanic friend of mine and I said, Mike, could I come to your shop and bring this truck that I'm looking at and check it out? And he says, oh, sure, bring it by. So I went and picked up this truck. Now, what I knew from the outside was it was one of the years where Chevy's paint was peeling. So it was a white truck, but lots and lots of gray, all that primer showing through underneath and a little bit of orange. Yeah. <clears throat> but I looked at that truck and um, I had been through some auto body stuff before and been part of painting a couple of vehicles and I knew that I could do the prep work and this truck could have a new paint job and it could look just fine. So that didn't concern me all that bad. I wanted to check out the engine, right? It's drivability and all that. So I took it out to Mike's shop and one of the things I did out there was a compression test. Does this engine have good compression? And it did. In fact, really good compression. It, that gave me a lot of confidence. Remember, I'm asking the question, how do you know if you made a good purchase here? So uh, I'm, I'm looking at that, feeling some, some confidence coming. And long story short, I bought the truck. And about a week later, was driving it with a group of youth group students happy about my ministry opportunity here, coming back from a trip up in the mountains. And as we're driving, all of a sudden, I hear this, this sound starting. It's a, it's a knock. If you know engines, that's a bad sound. And I stopped and I checked the oil and it was barely, barely on the dipstick. What's going on? And of course, filled it up and began to check into this. And um, what I found out was that this engine is, is burning oil. It's slipping past the rings. And you didn't see the blue smoke because the catalytic converter is hot enough to burn it off. But oil is slipping past the rings. And the compression numbers that I got were false readings because the oil is sealing it up. Some of you who know engines are shaking your heads at me. And so what I thought was really good compression numbers were actually too good. And I called up the guy who sold me the truck. And I said, did you know this truck is burning oil? And he says, yeah. I says, why didn't you tell me that? It's not my problem. 
I'm not legally bound. Your problem. You bought it. That wasn't very fun. Um, how do I know I made a good purchase? Well, not that time. I made a pretty bad one. Instead of buying a new paint job for the truck, I had to buy a new engine. So it stayed the truck with leprosy. But with the new engine, the truck drove, and it was really good. It was a brand new GM engine, certified, 50,000 miles, we're good to go. And when I sold that truck a couple of years later to buy a Suburban, because I still needed to haul more kids, the person who bought it was very happy to see that paperwork certifying that this was a brand new engine, installed professionally, and was ready to go, and they bought it happily. And I never got a call back. Let me say those verses again. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Without an engine, it don't go. But infuse it with an engine. It put love in it, and what happens? Those gifts become vital. They become uh, powerful in the hand of God. They become vehicles of, of ministry that impact people's lives. He uses you and your life when it has the engine. In this passage about love, um, is it about love for God or love for others? Well, if you look in the context and just keep reading the next few verses, you're going to find that they describe love in action and they seem to be focused on our love of others. Look at verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. I'm sorry, it is not rude. I skipped that one. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So these seem to be very horizontal in their focus. That's not to negate love for God. The Apostle Paul fully believes in it and exalts that. But this seems to be very focused on our love for one another. It's a horizontal kind of focus in this passage. I'm going to now tell you about the black Jeep. Yeah, you, you don't want to come with me to buy cars. I've done much better with the ones that have just been given to us. When I was in seminary out in Portland... We were living there for a summer, and we um, were driving an old car that my mom had given to us, and um, that car started having all kinds of problems. And I'm a full-time student in seminary, and 16 hours a day in Greek, literally, and just dying, and, and this car is having problems, and it's major problems, and I'm feeling like I don't have time to go after transmissions and those kinds of things, and... And so I was driving down the street, and I, 
I looked over next to this auto parts store and, and there was a black Jeep Cherokee sitting out there for sale. And the price looked good and I stopped and I looked at it and was interested and I called up the guy who owned it and he was very friendly and yeah, let's come on over and see it. And, and my wife's parents happened to be visiting us at the moment so her dad and I went together to test drive this Jeep and um, the guy that was selling it to us, lo and behold, knew people that we knew in Manhattan, Montana. And it was fun because here we were talking together about people that we knew. And it, in this huge city of Portland, Oregon, that felt comforting to the guy from small town Montana who doesn't know anybody. And yet I found this friendly guy who, who has a Jeep that he can sell me and and he knows people that I know, and it, it, there's a sense of genuineness here. We drove the Jeep all around, and he showed us all the features, and everything worked. You know, AC blows cold, and the lights work, and the stereo works, and, and we're good to go. And long story short, we bought the Jeep. And longer story short, two days later, the AC quit blowing cold. And we got it out on the interstate for the first time in the big city and found out that it wouldn't shift out of third gear. And I called up this nice guy. Not my problem. I'm not legally bound. You bought it as is. You can fake it. You can fake love for a little while. People can, can't they? Have you ever been burned? Not just in a black Jeep, but have you ever been burned thinking, hey, this person seems to love? Not so. Didn't last. Lasted for two days, blue cold air for two days. Yeah, you can squirt that Freon in there just long enough to, to cover up the leak that's in the system, sure. So about our love, is it genuine? I mean, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It's not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. Is that for real? I want it to be true in my life that it's for real. I got to get my phone out because I need to read you a couple of text messages from yesterday. There's a family in our church some of you know um, Kyle and Missy Widenauer. Some of you prayed for them this fall. Their little boy, Trustin, who was 10 years old, was um, killed on their farm in an accident. And um, man, talk about a tough time. Kyle texted me Sunday night of this week. Our family had led worship at our church on Sunday morning, and their family was there, and they were struggling, I could tell, on Sunday, and yet there was people from the church family gathered around them and praying with them, and I'm going to get emotional probably as I say this. Kyle says, 
Good evening, Ryan. Just wanted to thank you for worship time this morning. It has been a difficult three days. And we were listening and trying to sing a couple of those songs around breakfast this morning and just about did not come. Also, thank you for getting Ashlyn and Ben, their two other children, out and their mind on something new for a while. Andrea and our kids had called them up and taken their kids out to the mall and spent some money with them and just to get them out, out of their house and away. And they'd been working on that. I wrote back, I said, hi, Kyle, we just love you guys so much and wish we could be perfect comforters, but that's the Lord's job. And he will work through all the different little parts of his body to bring that. I saw some folks over there praying with you guys and with tears in my eyes, I just thanked the Lord for them and prayed for you guys across the room. When we were on the way home with our kids, they were all, with your kids, they were all talking about wanting to get together again. I was glad to hear that. As family in Christ, we are with you guys for the long haul. We love you guys. Ryan, he texted back, God is so perfect in how he moves through the people who love him. He knows who to put at the right time for the right text, prayer, places to go, etc. Church has been hard, yet such a blessing. Thank you. I said, I am sure I can't fully know the depths of either the hardness or the blessing. We'll just keep loving and walking with you guys. He says, yes, but you understand more than most, and God has given you his spirit to understand circumstances and a tender heart. That is what we need, because you give it through the heart, through a heart of Christ, which cares. I said, well, praise God for that. We sure appreciate your friendship and love of our family. We absolutely see the light of Christ shining through you guys. Um, Kyle and Missy have been there for us when we've gone through hard times. When I had emergency surgery five years ago and just about died and spent multiple long days in the hospital and came home so weak I couldn't even walk down the driveway and it took months and months to recover. A bunch of men from our church stepped up and took care of all of the fall maintenance projects and things at our house that needed to be done. And, and Kyle's right there. He's one of those guys serving our family at that time. And they've brought us meals. And, and then we've brought them meals. And we've known Kyle and Missy for 20 years. And there's a love that I believe is genuine. It has stood the test of time. It has been there through ups and downs and, and some difficulties. I could share about a couple of relational struggles we've had over the years and how God worked through those and did beautiful things in those. A green car, a leprous truck, a black Jeep. I could tell you more car stories, but I want you to see that without an engine, it doesn't go. This text is saying, without love, these other gifts are powerless. There's nothing there. And how do you, you know that you've made that good decision and, and so forth, and, and then you say, would I rather have the paint job or the engine? I'll take the engine every time. The truck can stay looking leprous on the outside. I've got to have love motivating these things and, and pushing through. I'd take a church family with love every day over one that's, that's pristine and, and looking beautiful and has a flashy worship band and a whole bunch of external you know, lights and noise happening. 
By the way, I didn't say I would take a, a loving church with over one that forsakes the gospel and truth. Don't hear that, okay? I said over this expression of gifts that would just be, wow, okay? But I'd take one that has love any day over that. Love can be faked, the black Jeep story. So is, is love genuine? Will it hang in there for the long haul? Is it really patient? Is it really kind? Is it, does it really suffer long? Does it really show humility and so forth? I want with all my heart to lead Montana Bible College to be a place where the the culture just seeps and oozes love everywhere. One to another in this expression of the body of Christ. And I pray that every one of you, as you go out from here, goes out, yes, with all the gifts God has given you, with the knowledge that he has put in you, with the abilities for ministry and the skills, but with love as the defining characteristic of your lives that you go everywhere you go are known to be people that exude the love of Christ. Yes, with all the ministry, yes, with all that, but it's, it's love that's going to make that stuff also meaningful. It's the reality, the genuineness of your life. I think that's already your desire. As I look around this room, I don't think I have to convince you to want that. I think you already do. So I want to pray for us right now that God, by his spirit, builds that heart and character into us through our time together. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you at this moment. Remembering the call from Ephesians 5 to be imitators of God, to live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Father, we don't in any way want to diminish the importance of truth or our thankfulness for the various gifts that you give, the ways that you equip others in the body of Christ to minister Father, we do not want to be people who are showy and flashy on the outside, but lacking love. Rather, Lord, it's our desire to be people who are characterized by love in all that we do, that we are people who minister in the strength and power of Christ with his heart of love. Lord, We know this is your will. Absolutely 100%. And so we don't have to doubt that this prayer is in line with your heart and that you are pleased to grant it. So we ask you today boldly to build love into us that we are a people characterized by love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.